Good morning from Concord, New Hampshire. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, February 13th. Here are election 2020 updates from today's show. Usually, the early Democratic presidential contests shrink the field. This year, they've expanded it. The race is bursting out of New Hampshire into a new and highly unusual phase, with at least a half dozen viable candidates, each facing an unpredictable path and major hurdles to overcome. No one has a clear advantage on the road to winning the 1,990 delegates required to secure the nomination this summer at the convention in Milwaukee, and nearly all of them have struggled to appeal to crucial black and Hispanic voters as the campaign now turns to more diverse states. Bernie Sanders hasn't shown he can attract a base broader than a quarter of the party's voters, even in New Hampshire, where in victory he was unable to retain even half the vote share he won four years ago. Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar have enjoyed sudden spurts, but have yet to demonstrate whether they can grow beyond their base of mostly white, college-educated voters. Joe Biden, who placed a dismal fifth here, flew back home to Wilmington, Delaware on Wednesday after his rally in South Carolina and held a call with major donors to try to calm nerves and fill a depleted campaign account. The fourth-place finisher, Elizabeth Warren, spoke via phone to rally her team yesterday, but she's also now canceled hundreds of thousands of dollars in reservations to air television ads in Nevada and South Carolina starting next week. Three candidates with little support have dropped out since Tuesday, Andrew Yang, Michael Bennett, and then Deval Patrick. But the Iowa and New Hampshire results have given more of the remaining candidates reasons to stay in the race in which the unwieldy field has worked against any individual effort to coalesce broader support. And another sign of the turbulence engulfing this contest Troy Price, chairman of the Iowa Democratic Party, announced last night that he will resign. It's the latest fallout from last week's botched caucuses in the Hawkeye State, which resulted in delayed results. And even Steve Martin was making fun of Iowa during the Oscars. The AP still hasn't even officially called the caucuses. Looming over the upcoming South Carolina primary is billionaire Tom Steyer, who has spent freely to try to build support among black voters who previously backed Biden. Former New York Mayor Mike Bloomberg's deep-pocketed campaign will figure even more prominently when he begins appearing on ballots starting March 3rd, Super Tuesday, when 14 states, including California and Texas, vote. So far, the way that candidates have gained traction in this race has been to attract a narrow slice of the electorate. Warren, for example, spent the past several weeks attempting to cast herself as a unity candidate, but saw herself overtaken by Sanders, who made a more forthright appeal to liberals a more defined niche. Adding to the muddle is the uncertainty evinced by the voters themselves. Half of New Hampshire's voters on Tuesday said they decided whom to support in the last few days before the primary. About a third of Iowa's voters said the same. Sanders yesterday made no attempt to expand his ideological reach. When asked if there are any lessons in the fact that he and Warren received fewer votes combined than the moderates in the party, his campaign co-chair Nina Turner was blunt. The lesson to be learned, she said, is he won and they lost. Sanders is already tussling with the culinary union, the largest union in Nevada, and one whose members, mostly Latino and female, typically play a pivotal role in the Silver State's caucuses. The union on Tuesday night, as Bernie was delivering his victory speech, distributed flyers criticizing his Medicare for All plan. 
saying it would dilute the health care plans that the union has negotiated for its members in negotiations. The Sanders campaign countered with a statement, noting that he's joined unions on picket lines and saying his plan is as comprehensive or more so than the health care benefits that union workers currently receive. But then later in the day, the union, which has yet to make its coveted endorsement, which isn't going to go to Sanders, escalated the growing feud by releasing a statement of its own, criticizing Sanders for his supporters, who the union claimed have been critical of union officials on Twitter and in hate-filled phone calls. Those in the party who were nervous about Sanders' rise, the people in the middle, took some comfort that voters are backing moderate candidates when you put it together in an aggregate way. But that was mixed in with growing anxiety that Sanders could still prove a durable force as he dominates on the left and the moderates show no signs of coalescing. Buttigieg announced that he is doubling his Nevada staff and his South Carolina team has already swelled to 55 people. Last night, he announced the endorsement of J.A. Moore, a South Carolina state representative who had previously backed Kamala Harris. Buttigieg also unveiled the support of Walter Clyburn Reed, the grandson of South Carolina kingmaker Jim Clyburn, the congressman who hasn't endorsed in the race. Klobuchar, who raised as much in the three hours after polls closed on Tuesday night as she raised in any single month last year, has rolled out a seven-figure ad buy starting today in Nevada and plans to arrive in the state for events starting this afternoon. Tonight, there's a LULAC, Latino-focused forum, that four of the candidates will speak at. Biden asked donors on that conference call yesterday afternoon to be patient. They said that the race is just beginning. He noted a fact that he's been taking solace in over the past few days. Bill Clinton won only one of the first 11 contests in 1992 before going on to claim the nomination. Biden said on the call that Bloomberg and Klobuchar are untested and will face more scrutiny in the coming days. Indeed, there are some stories out today that appear to be opposition research uh, against Biden's opponents. Biden has several fundraisers scheduled for today in New York, as well as one next week in Los Angeles. The campaign hopes to regroup in Nevada and amid a shakeup of its advisors has brought in a prominent new Democratic consultant to help. We're told that Jen O'Malley Dillon, a top Obama campaign aide who ran Beto O'Rourke's presidential campaign until he dropped out, is now working for Biden on a volunteer basis. But some other Biden advisors tell us privately that they're hoping for even a third place finish in Nevada and that his organization is unlikely to match that of his rivals, especially because it's a caucus state where ground game helps more. The Biden campaign is also starting to pay more attention to Bloomberg because it views him as an increasing threat to take away Biden's support in the black community. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. If you want to hear full episodes, find The Daily 202 every weekday morning wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.